5280 Church Podcast, because everyone needs more hope, genuine community, and a clearer picture of God's love. Hi there, and welcome into 5280 Church Podcast. 5280 Church is a startup in the Berkeley community of Denver, Colorado, and our goal is to create a community that's very open and safe, um, where you can ask your hard questions and not feel judged, where you can come together as friends and family, um, worship together, play together, and just have fun together. In our current series, What The? We are doing just that, diving into difficult questions that we might find about the Bible, about God, and finding the deeper truths. If God is good, why is there evil in the world? Can the Bible be trustworthy? Was Jesus a savior or just a good man? We have a Q&A at the end of each session, and we would invite you to interact with us there on Facebook. Ask your questions, leave a comment, give us a like, follow and share, but most of all, become a part of our community. And without further ado, we answer another question. Some of you are not awake. That is a really bad sign for this morning. Hey, glad that you guys are here. My name is Rick. I'm the lead pastor here at 5280 Church. Uh, we are using Facebook Live this morning, so we want to say good morning to those of you that are catching us by Facebook this morning. So awesome to have you with us. Just as a reminder for all of us today, as we talk through this big question about why would a loving God allow suffering in the world, we want to give you a chance at the end of the message to ask your questions. And, uh, and that means for those of you that are on Facebook, you can type them in the comments and send them to us. We will do our best to take as many of them uh, live as possible. Otherwise, we will kick them into next week and we will do all that we can to answer every question that's given to us. Because we do believe that these things are very, very important. These are very good questions. They're very difficult questions. And as we begin this series, I just want to say a few things. Um, you know, for some of us, we are... Uh, we're skeptical by nature, which means we're always looking for answers. We're always asking questions. We welcome you. We are glad to have you with us. I'm a skeptic by nature. I ask a lot of questions, a lot, a lot of questions. There are some of us, though, that ask questions that are falling on the more cynical side of things. And that's not a discredit to you, but oftentimes when I find myself in cynicism, I'm not really looking for answers. You know, I'm looking to vent. I'm looking to complain. And so there's not much that many people can do for me when I'm like that, usually because the questions aren't about finding answers. It's about getting through the emotions of it. And there's a place for you, too, uh, here at 5280 Church. And so we're going to do our best to be loving, supportive, nonjudgmental, and as honest as we can about big, big questions. Future questions that we're going to try to answer is uh, the thought, don't all religions basically lead to the same place? How much should I trust the Bible uh, or should I trust it at all? We're going to get into some pretty deep and meaningful things. And so we hope that you'll join us for the rest of the series. And then also be sure to check out our webpage uh, towards the end of the week. Uh, we're kicking off our podcast so you can take the content with you. And so that means we actually have to do it now, right? So uh, we're going to move forward with that uh, this week. And uh, again, that's an opportunity for you to interact with us via iTunes so you can look for 5280 Church um, on the podcast feed. So with that beginning, 
statement, why don't we jump in and look at the first question for today, which is why would a loving God allow evil and suffering in the world? This is a, a question that a lot of people ask, and for many people, it's one that they wrestle with, and for some, it's very personal, right? So I acknowledge that today. Some of the things I'm going to say, they're very personal to me. There have been things that have happened in my life when I look at the world around me. It... it it stirs up a lot of emotions and a lot of angst and anxiety. And so I know that some of you are here and you wrestle with this question and you feel like you've not had a spiritual home to wrestle with those things. Well, you do here. You have that spiritual home. And I'm going to do my best to honor the emotion of it uh, and be as honest as I can. Uh, for others, it's more philosophical in nature. Uh, for others, uh, it's just a way to easily dismiss God out of our lives, but it's still a very good question. For the atheist, it's the cornerstone of disbelief, right? If you've ever talked to somebody that claims to be an atheist, you're going to have this question asked, and it's a hard one to answer because it's a loaded, loaded question. So let's take a look at it this morning. Why would a loving God allow suffering? Well, let's look at the existence of suffering. Right? What I love about Jesus and the Bible and about life is that it doesn't ignore the fact that there is suffering. And so there are a few causes of suffering. And the first one I want to bring up to you is very simply people. Suffering exists because people exist. So let's take God out of the equation and let's look at this. So when it comes to people, you look at the injustice in the world. Yeah, the other slide was actually right. Um, so what causes suffering is, is injustice, right? We have starvation, we have, we have AIDS, we have uh, income inequality around the world, we have uh, discrimination against all kinds of people all over the world, whether it's race, gender, whatever. There's a lot of ill and suffering in the world, and these things exist because people oppress and people are apathetic. You know, when you look at the world around us, these things exist because people create harm for people. Think about it. Name an injustice in the world that somehow doesn't come down to the affliction of one human being upon another or the apathy of the eight other billion people on the planet that are doing nothing or little about these injustices. So the truth is, pain and suffering exist because people exist. And oftentimes, we're at the very heart of it. Another reason that pain and suffering exists is, pretty simply, death, disease, and genetics. All right? We know that we're all going to die. We know that disease is a very, reality, a very powerful reality in our world. Uh, we know that there's great medical advances in developed countries that can do a lot of things to prevent or treat or uh, sometimes care. But ultimately, we know that our bodies wear down, that we're going to get old, that our genes are only going to last so long. Um, and no matter where you fall on the, the, the scale of science, whether you believe in evolution that, um, and what you believe about this, um, how the universe is running – the truth is, we all experience a winding down. You know, for some, it's like we're not winding down, we're winding up to something. We're evolving to something greater. But the truth is, the way you exist today is changing. You're going to deteriorate. Your health is going to, to decline. And some science is teaching us that on average, we pass on 100 genetic mutations every time we reproduce. And so we carry genetic mutations. That means that our kids are going to pass on the 100 that we have plus their 100. 
And you just have to ask yourself, what impact does that have on humanity? Well, there's a lot of illness and death and disease. That creates suffering for those that are dealing with these things. And it creates suffering for those around them that love them. This one is very personal to me because on our Disney World dream vacation, we discovered that my, my five-year-old son had type 1 diabetes. And that is basically the body has rejected his pancreas, it attacks his pancreas, and his, his sole mission is to shut it down. And if it gets shut down, he doesn't produce insulin, everything he eats becomes toxic, and it won't take very long for my son to lose his life if he doesn't have treatment. Now that is a very personal thing for us. The diagnosis day um, was filled with six hours of education. After the first break in two hours, we, the doctor looked at us and said, do you have any questions? And we were still back at diagnosis and so you're saying my son has type 1 diabetes. He's going to need six shots a day as a minimum, if not more, and that he risked all kinds of complications going into the future adulthood life. And they're like, yes. And it's hard when you're looking at a five-year-old kid that has no idea what's going on. And then that's thrown us into this community of people that have been initiated into this community that nobody wants to be a part of. And we're surrounded by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids in the city of Denver that are all connected to the Children's Diabetes Foundation that are all wrestling the same thing. And the question becomes, why anybody? Not why just, not just why my son, but why anybody? It's hard. It's emotional. And as humans, we want to do everything to reverse that. Another reason that evil and suffering exists because of natural disasters, climate change, and the second law of thermodynamics. Again, Science is interesting. They're debating whether entropy exists and whether it actually has a negative effect on the universe. Truth is, things are winding down. Things as we know it are changing. When things happen, that creates things happen in the physical world. It has implications for all of us. Yes, there are increases of natural disasters. You look over 100-year cycles, you can see greater floods, greater force of hurricanes. Whether you believe in climate change or not does not matter. It's happening whether you think it's a natural cycle or not. The truth is we all live in a planet that is working against us as well. And nothing is more devastating than trying to walk into somebody's life after natural disaster has taken everything. Again, firsthand experience with this. Uh, I grew up in Florida. You spend your entire childhood dodging hurricanes. It's just what you do for the summer months into September. It's like, where are we moving today? Because there's a storm or a hurricane coming. And you're at sea level, so it doesn't take much to drown you out. And when you have winds that are up of the excess of 200 miles an hour, things are going to fall apart. And so I grew up experiencing this, and then when I became a Christian, really uh, realized that I could make a difference, got involved with some churches, went down after Hurricane Andrew that took out South Florida, and the look on people's eyes, in their eyes, as they're sitting in front of the pile of rubble that used to be their home, there's a distinct look on their faces, one of complete loss and having no idea of what's next. Saw that same face in the city of New Orleans, where our church uh, that I was serving at, we sent over uh, 300 volunteers over a year period. Every other week, we were sending teams down to do relief efforts, you know, in some neighborhoods that took on 15 feet of water, and again, the same look on people's faces. It just destroys life. 
and it's hard. And there are often no answers. So let's put God back into the equation. So what should God do about all the suffering in the world? Let's look at his options. Here's one of his options. God could just annihilate all the people responsible for injustice in the world. Right? That's a viable option. But as we talked about, injustice comes down not to this, those that oppress, but those that are apathetic about it. Right? When we throw away 40% of our food in our country, and you have countries that have almost no food, or you even have communities, did you know that we have our own little localized food deserts in the city of Denver? There are distinct communities where there's no grocery store, no transportation to get to these grocery stores, and families that don't even have the financial resources to feed their children, let alone themselves. We have starvation around us right now. That becomes really hard to fathom when you're scraping away the leftovers and you're turning around saying, I don't really like this meal, and you discard all this extra food when people around you are starving. That's crazy, but we do it. So we're part of the problem. Even in apathy, we're part of the problem. Awareness is not enough. We know that any sustainable, viable solution on the planet is gonna take all eight billion of us working together. <laughs> That's impossible, especially within our country when we can't even get half the country to like the other half of the country. The real problems. And so what does God do? Does he get angry and judge and just <laughs> wipe everybody out? Because that's what it would take. But God doesn't do that. Why? Because God's not an angry, judgmental, condemning God. He is good. He is gracious. He is perfectly loving and perfectly just. And that's hard to understand. But as we unpack this, we're going to dig into it. So annihilation really doesn't match. And none of us would really want a God to do that, right? Because it kind of killed the whole point of us being here today. Because we wouldn't be here. So another thing that God could just do is intervene by controlling or interrupt interrupting human decisions, right? Somebody's being victimized. Why doesn't God just intervene and change that person's mind? So it's God's fault, we're saying, if someone is dark and, 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 and vindictive and oppressive in nature and takes out that on another human being, that's somehow God's fault. See, that's not really how any of us live, right? We know that we can make decisions. We can make decisions for good. We can make decisions for bad. We can do what we want to do. God has given us a choice. All humanity has a choice what they're going to do with their life. They can do good, they can do harm, or they can do nothing. But we have a choice. And the fact that God doesn't get all up in our business and control us and make us robots and manipulate us and tweak us and do whatever we want to do to get his way doesn't make God any less of who he should be. But what I'm saying really creates the most pain for those who have been victimized. 
Because just about every person that's been victimized, whether a believer or not, has somewhere along the line said, God, help. And the help that we want is for the evil not to happen. controls the evil mind, then he has to control the unevil mind. He has to control everybody. And oftentimes we don't understand why people do the things that they do. Because see, the other side of it is maybe some of the people that act out against us are once victims themselves. I'm not saying that makes it right. It certainly doesn't make it okay. And that is not to minimize the, the, the anger that rises up or the heartbreak that exists. But what I'm saying is, is that it multiplies. Darkness is completely overwhelming. So God doesn't control anyone's emotions, but he does desire for them to make different choices. Another thing that God can just do is to create a world with no injustice, pain, death, or loss. That statement is to assume that God didn't. That somehow when God created us, that his sick, twisted desire was to create a world full of pain. But when you read scripture, we see the complete opposite narrative in place. Because see, we see a God who's created a world, everything was good, everything reflected a good God and his good character, his good nature. He wanted people to live in that system within him, having his knowledge of good and evil, living under his order, his rules, if you will. And humanity consistently wants to create their own little mini versions where we are the center of our own micro universes and everyone is here to validate and approve and accept our decisions. It's not God's fault. When humanity is perfectly capable of learning and expanding our mind and searching out truth, yet most of us are unwilling to search out any truth. Especially if it challenges the way we're already operating. It's hard. Another thing that God could just do is provide the hope of redemption and restoration for all. That's what God has done. See, how can you show perfect love to all of humanity, the just and the unjust? How can you show perfect love to the victim and the victimizer? How can you show perfect love to those that have and those that don't have? How can you show perfect love to all creatures on earth, no matter where you live, no matter what time? And that's for God to be a consistent perfect, loving, compassionate God who advocates for the well-being of people. Now, whether humanity chooses to embrace that particular view of life solely falls on the individual. And the more the individuals begin to think about the true message of Christianity, and there is a false message of Christianity 
and oftentimes found and waved under the banner of fundamentalism, which I'm not criticizing that, but I'm saying that oftentimes we find spiritual abuse uh, in those types of camps. An overemphasis on judgment and rules and an underemphasis on love and grace when both meet the person of Jesus on the cross. They both exist. And, and this is what God desires, the opportunity for whoever we are, wherever we are, whatever our pain, whatever our suffering, whether we're guilty or of, of it by direct or indirect sources, whether we've been victimized or we're the person that, that victimizes people, God offers the opportunity to be redeemed and restored. To reverse the ills, if you will, that humanity consistently perpetuates upon itself. Perfectly loving for all people. Perfectly just for all people. Let's dig into this a little bit. At creation, man perfectly reflected God and cared for creation and each other very well. We see this in Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let us make man in our own image after his likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. What is that saying? That there's part of God that is wired into all humanity. The, the character and the nature of God, not the things that make him God, but the character of God, love, grace, hope, justice, peace, all of these things can be our attributes, can be part of our character, we are meant to reflect those attributes of God. An image is a reflection. God created humanity to reflect the good character of God. And God saw everything that he had made, it says, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and morning the sixth day. So when God created everything, people perfectly reflected the good character of God. They cared for creation well. They stewarded their relationships well. God was seen and felt and experienced throughout all of creation without suffering, pain, anywhere to be found. Then humanity does the unthinkable. They exchange God's knowledge of good and evil for their own versions of good and evil. We see this, the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. What is he saying? That something in you will become dark. The spiritual lights will go off. The physical lights will go off. At some point you will perish. You'll begin to deteriorate into Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. That was the warning. And humanity was tempted to create his own version of good and evil, their own version of good and evil, and they lived out that version of good and evil. And we see this in existence today. People make choices that affect the planet. People make choices that affect people groups. We make choices that affect our family and our friends, and not all of those choices are good. We want the lesser version of our own version of right and wrong, and we choose and operate as if we were the center of our own universes. That is a far fall from who God would want us to be. 
instead of reflecting God's character, we want to reflect our own. You want to know how deep that runs? Read something that pushes against your deeply held beliefs and see what your first response is. You will find out how much you rely on yourself. Then humanity exchanged God's knowledge of good and evil for their own version, and that went into rebellion. This is what the Bible calls sin. Sin is basically rebelling against God and being selfish towards others. This is what we see within our world. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. For we have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemptions of our bodies. So it's talking about this conflict that we live in as believers, those that follow Jesus. They're looking at it saying, man, this is painful. There's this tension. It's awkward. It's painful. There's suffering. There's desire for good. And there's, uh, it seems that evil abounds. And we're desiring for our very own desires to be redeemed. And God responds in the midst of this in the most incredible way possible. What does he do? He enters into brokenness. He enters into the mess that we've created, and he offers us forgiveness and new life. Think about that. He could have just barked down more orders and said, do this list, live up to it, and you might make your way to me. But God came down and said, you've fallen, you don't look like me, you don't act like me, you've rebelled against me, you, can, you disregard me, you belittle me at every turn, you consistently choose your own way, I love you, I care for you, I want to take that punishment away from you, and I want to give you new life. I want to restore what is dead on the inside. That's how God responded. Jesus shows up. John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God did not come to condemn the world. The condemned world exists. God entered into that condemnation and offered us the love of God for those that would believe those that would trust themselves to him. Those that would say, my version of good and evil is far less than your version, God. I want life. That goes on because Jesus has overcome brokenness by the cross. He's able to heal and restore us. He rose from the dead and Jesus wants to send his spirit to live within you, to bring life to you. Where do we see this? See, Jesus was despised and rejected by man. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and as one with whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Humanity rejected this offer of love and pushed evil against him. And surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet he was, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. And this has happened. And says that he was pierced through for our transgression and crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. 
and with his wounds we are healed. See, God took evil upon himself. He became a victim, if you will. He felt all that hatred, and God internalized it to give us life. And we know that he rose again from the dead, sits at the right hand of the Father, intercedes for us, and that we can approach him because here's the powerful part, Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was able to live in this world in that tension without giving into it. And let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, not judgment, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. God wants us to approach him. That means Jesus is with us, not just in thought, but he's been there. He is with us in times of trouble and hardship. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. This is the offer of Christianity. So Jesus then invites us to take this hope and once again begin to fill the world with it. Jesus invites us to bring the message and life of restoration to all humanity. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's a change of heart. This is where God begins to change minds. Because man chooses to follow him. Begin to make different choices, ones that reflect God. The old has passed away. The new has come. And all this is from God. A life filled with perfect, unconditional, sacrificial love that can be shared with all humanity. This comes from God, who through Christ reconciled us, made up the difference to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, helping other people see God. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, representatives God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Listen, for some of you today, if you're not a Christ follower, this is God's offer saying, you do not have to live separated from God. You do not have to be part of the pain and suffering in this world, that you can be forgiven of your responsibility for the darkness and be given the heart of God to live a different story especially those that feel like you're the furthest away. God came for the furthest away. For the believer, it comes down to something else. As a believer, the question for us to ask is, how can I find God in the midst of suffering and pain, and how can I show the compassion of Jesus to those in need? This is how we overcome darkness with hope. The message and light of Jesus.